Sports Radio welcomes you to the Lions Den with your hosts Michael Heiger and Louis Bellotta. Ah, uh, yes, you are listening to the Lions Den here on Impact Sports. How's it going, everybody? I hope you are enjoying your week following a Lions victory over the Miami Dolphins. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We are here in full force once again this week for you guys to discuss. The Lions' 20-16 to win over the Miami Dolphins and preview next week's game with the Arizona Cardinals. And with me, as always, are my lovely co-hosts, oh. Christopher Bogus. Oh, hello, Higer. Oh, hello. And Louis Bellotta. Oh, hello, Higer. Oh, hello. So, guys, it was a fun Sunday. Oh, yes, it wasn't was. Wasn't it? Great Sunday. Yes. Um... Let's get it started with a recap of the Lions' 20-16 win over the Miami Dolphins. And I want to start with that first quarter, because that first quarter was money. Dominant. Money, Money, I think, is the perfect word to describe it. I think that's the best first quarter I've ever seen the Lions put together on both sides of the ball. Uh, They finished the quarter with a 10-0 lead, but more than that, they held the Dolphins to negative yards and really just dominated their dominated Ryan Tannehill on the Dolphins' offense. That first drive of the game, they did come out with only tw- they did come out with a twenty six yard field goal, which was a little disappointing. But it's a fifteen play, seventy two yard drive that lasted for eight minutes and forty one seconds to start the game. So the Dolphins didn't even see the field until that first until that second half of the first quarter. What were what were your guys' first impressions after this first quarter? And do you think it was going to continue on for the rest of the game? First impressions that Joe Lombardi had some bad play calling. That was my first impression because they had a couple second and ones and third and ones where they threw the ball and didn't just run it. Right. And I mean, they have a fullback now, something that the Lions haven't had in a while. I don't, just use him, you know. I don't. I don't understand why they were throwing and having incomplete passes. And Joy Bell's a, don't, a downhill runner. I don't uh, yeah, know why you uh, that's what I was puzzled. Besides that negativity, the great drive, great quarter, great but quarter. That's what I was having my problems with was Joe Lombardi's play calling. I thought it was. I thought it was very close to flawless. They, they made the Dolphins look like a JV team. The whole first I, quarter. They got a fake punt. Yeah. <laughs> they converted a fake punt. Sam Martin over to uh, Jedediah Collins. Um, it surprised me. I'm sure it surprised you guys, too. The second one that they went for wasn't as surprising, and hence why it didn't work out as well. But uh, I think what was most promising for me in that quarter wasn't even a 49-yard touchdown pass to Calvin assuring me that he was back. But I think what was most promising to me was the play of Ndamukong Sue and Ziggy Ansah on that defensive line. They both dominated, and Sue especially. I think that was probably one of the best games I've seen from Sue since his rookie of the year, uh, year in 2010, I believe it was, or even probably for his entire career, that was one of the best, not only quarters, but games I've seen out of Ndamukong Sue, especially this season. He made Mike Pouncey look terrible. He did. And Mike Pouncey is one of the best centers in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. But 
And Mike Pouncey did have a couple plays where he was able to pin him down and pancake him, and they showed those on replays because it was surprising when he did it. Because besides a couple of those plays out there, Sue was dominant. He proved on Sunday that they don't need to re-sign Nick Fairley. You don't think so? Controversy. I, I mean, did did they need Nick Fairley this weekend? No. Nick Clearly Fairley who? Nick Fairley who? Exactly. Do you guys think Nick Fairley's played his last game in the Lions uniform? Yeah. Mm, it depends. I think so. I mean, we can talk about this again. It I just think Sue depends just sh- on if Sue comes back. I mean, yeah. I mean, we can always talk about the money and how he's not worth it, but Sue just proved his worth on Sunday, at least. His companion went down, and he just took over the line. But here's my thing with Sue is, yeah, he proved his worth on Sunday, but he needs to prove it for the rest of the season. Oh, I totally agree. But right now, he just proved that Fairley was an afterthought and that George Johnson and everybody else can just fill right on in. I mean, I think he's been proving all season that he he's great. He's been leading the league in quarterback hurries all season, which is a stat that's not really on the stat sheet a whole lot, but it's definitely noticed by uh, ESPN analysts and uh, everyone who's uh, noticing things like that. Sue did finish the game with four total tackles. Uh, three out of those tackles were for a loss. One sack and three hits on the quarterback. And a forced fumble. And or, a, or a recovered fumble. Recovered fumble also. So... You look at that, and those numbers just pop out at you because all three of his solo tackles were for a loss. His sack, I'm pretty sure he shared with Ansa. I that think he did. They, it was more half a sack than one full sack, but also three quarterback hits. And when you're getting to the quarterback and breaking through that offensive line, that's a pretty good offensive line of the Dolphins also, and you're creating pressure, pressure that the Dolphins really haven't seen all season. It really goes to show you the leaps and bounds that not only Sue has made, but this entire defense has made week to week this season. And I think that we've seen an improved defense each and every week. And only giving up 16 points to a Dolphins team that scored 37 on the San Diego Chargers last week. So I think those numbers show you right there how much this defense has improved. I I was a little worried going into this game. Miami was red hot on fire coming out of that shutout against the Chargers. So I thought maybe this would be the first huge challenge for the Lions on defense, but they continue to prove Brought them up north and cooled them off. Yeah, Yeah. well, unfortunately, we did talk about the first quarter, but we really haven't talked about the second and third quarter, which there really wasn't much to talk about for the Lions' side except for the fact that they gave up a lead. And And all of a sudden, we saw the Dolphins start to gain a little momentum. And don't get me wrong, the Dolphins did make some great plays out there. Uh, the Brent Grimes interception that really I thought was going to go down for another touchdown for Calvin should have been a touchdown for Calvin. That's the only play you're ever going to make where you stop a Calvin touchdown. Oh, yeah, he, that was, was, he was open throw. behind that. I think yeah. Stafford was trying to throw him into a jump ball situation, and Calvin was more thinking back to the end zone streak. But Brent Grimes, that's a ESPN number one play, actually. I don't know if you guys noticed. I did not yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah, he made it to was number, it the one. number one. Play? Oh, yeah. I, 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 when I was watching, it was number four on the weekend, but maybe it was number one. Well, on the for, the, for NFL, uh, the NFL top ten, it was, it was for sure number one. He got off the ground. Deservedly so, and that was Stafford's only pick of the game, and I put zero blame on Stafford oh, yeah. for throwing that pick because that was the interception of the season, one of the better interceptions you're ever going to see. And the broadcast crew on CBS did the same thing as well. That was phenomenal by Brent Grimes. Oh, and yeah. Brent Grimes is an, is an exceptional cornerback. I didn't really know much about him going into this week, but 
from what I've read up and from what I've looked at now and actually seeing him playing live, he's very, very good. He, he's, he, a, he's a cornerback I was hoping the Lions would sign in the offseason. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was on that list. The only reason why they didn't sign him is because he's an undersized cornerback. And, I mean, and Johnson ate him up on that touchdown drive. He did. He Absolutely. bullied him. But Brent Grimes got a fair share of plays in there, and that interception being one of them. That was just it's, – it's frustrating to see an interception like that on a, on a decent drive, but when it's an interception of that caliber, you, you're almost – it's respectful. Kind of, mm-hmm. as a football fan. And now we move to the fourth quarter, which was a pretty crazy fourth quarter. Matt Prater, Matt Prater made a 50-yard field goal uh, to tie the score at 13. And very that would have been good from 60, it looked like. Very convincing. Yeah. Nailed it. He nailed it right down the middle. Still had a few more yards on it. Probably would have been good from 55, 60 yards. Uh, Caleb Sturgis answered eight minutes later with a field goal of his own to give the Dolphins the 16-13 to 13 lead. And at this point, you have to think that the Lions are going to win this game, or at least I thought this way, because the last two games they came back for this win, and this one didn't seem nearly as insurmountable. Um, they, all they needed was a field goal to go into overtime, a touchdown to win the game. And was there any doubt in your mind after the Lions went down by three with four minutes left that they were still going to lose this game? No. Not at all. I'm starting to get used to this. Oh, yeah. Four minutes for the Lions, that's a violent amount of time for this offense. Absolutely. And they did get a three and out, which I guess was a blessing in disguise because they were able to get the ball back a couple of minutes later and drive down the field and win the game. And it came on an 11-yard pass to... Theo Riddick, Chris's boy. My boy. I say that every week when I bring him up, but <laughs> Theo Riddick has actually been... Two touchdowns in a row. Two touch- Game-winning. Or, well, no. no. I'm sorry. Two touchdowns in a row. Well, the game-winning touchdown. Two catches for five yards on the game. Didn't really do much on the ground. Three carries. Didn't even get a single yard. But clutch play to win the game. And it, was, it wasn't only a great throw, it was a great catch also by both players because Stafford threw it the only place where Riddick could catch it where Miami couldn't. Truly. And he, I'm, I'm surprised he threw it. I thought he was going to run. He had wide open field. Matt Stafford could have Oh, yeah, I thought he was going to run ran, for the first down. Yeah, at least the first down, maybe the end zone. He had some green. Well, he was looking for Calvin, and Brent Grimes was blanketing him. And so the fact that he was able to find Theo in the end zone was, first of all, it was a great job by Theo of, finding somewhere in the end zone for Stafford to throw it to him. But the catch also was great, guys. And I don't know about you. I went nuts. Oh, yeah. Um, I went nuts. Nuts as always. Yeah. It was a great game by the Lions. And actually, the the first team since 2011 to win three straight games in the final two minutes. And so that tells you really how much this coaching staff is – Put it in the Lions' heads on how to win a game. Yep. The last team to do it was the Denver Broncos, and that was also with Matthew Prater. So and Tim Tebow. Maybe it's maybe it's a Matthew. Maybe there's some kind of clutch gene in Matthew Prater that spreads around the rest of the team. I mean, hey, it started when they signed him. It did. So the Lions are now on a four-game winning streak, heading into next week against Arizona, and we're going to be talking about that game. Um, in a little bit, but I want to know from you guys, what was your biggest takeaway from the Lions' win over the Dolphins? Was it that they cooled down after their first quarter? Because that's something that caught me, was how much Lions cooled down after that first quarter. Was it more coming back in the end to win this game 
and finding a way to win, and the defense only giving up 16 points to do it. I think my big takeaway is I think this is what you're going to have to expect week in and week out. I, I think it just is. These, they tend to just cool off a little bit and get a little comfortable in that second to third quarter. I mean, they show what they're worth, and they bring it on those first couple drives, and then they just kind of hunker down and then just kind of do three and outs, and the defense just takes over and does their thing, and then they come back in the fourth quarter. It's not the best game plan that keeps fans you know, being like, oh, come on, what the heck, but... I think this is what we're going to see. We're going to see it next week, I believe. I mean, another great team in Arizona. There's no reason to think we're not going to see that again. There's no reason to think that that's not going to be another nail-biter. Exactly, and with and with New England. Detroit can keep pace with New England, but at the same time, they're going to need to not do this second and third quarter thing that they've been doing where they just kind of disappear for a little bit. Since week two, not a single Lions game, or since week three, excuse me, since week three, not a single game the Lions have played in has been decided by more than 14 points. So... They're the cardiac kids out there. They've won six out of those seven games. Should we so. take away Matt Ryan's nickname of Matty Ice and give it to Matthew Stafford? I think it's He's time to. Gunslinger. I'm He's pretty sure that the tides have turned and Matt Stafford should be Matty Ice. And Let's start it. Well, Hashtag everyone, Matty Ice. Here's my thing with Stafford is every year, or, or at least this year, everyone was like, wow, look how clutch all of a sudden Matthew Stafford is. But I think he had that clutch gene before. Oh, yeah. He, was he always, just wasn't coached correctly. Exactly. And oh, he didn't yeah. have the talent he had now. That's why he's still around. Mm-hmm. He's he's just continued to make the, like those plays. Enough plays to where it's like, we should keep him around. And then, you know, the poor coaching. Golden Tate was relatively silent in the beginning when the Lions were really starting to turn up and get those big plays in the first quarter. But he wound up finishing with 11 catches for 109 yards. On 13 targets, get, getting 11 of those catches, it shows you how accurate Stafford was throwing to him and also how Golden Tate had some of the best hands in the NFL. And the fact that he was able to get 11 catches for 109 yards, one of the better players after the catch also. Oh, um, yeah, he definitely works for it and gets it, too. Have you seen the designed plays? They just really just sling it out to Golden Tate. If, if the cornerback's off him even four or five yards, they have that designed swing route where they just throw it to Golden Tate two blocking wide receivers, and he just does what he does best. Yeah, most of his plays are yards after the catch. Yeah, yak yards. Guys, Golden Tate's only 91 yards short of finishing with 1,000 yards on the season. Does he get it next week? Yes. I mean, there's no reason to think he won't. I mean, that Arizona defense is a pretty good reason to think he won't, but we'll talk about that in a little bit when we talk about next week's game against the Cardinals. But Golden Tate... If you would have told me that he would have had 1,000 yards this season, I would have been happy, let alone by week 11 or week 12 whenever he finally does reach that number. And he is going to finish possibly with 100 catches also. He's at 66 right now. He's totally going 100 I catches. could be wrong, so? but I think he's leading the league, or maybe behind Jordy Nelson. But Jordy Nelson's a wide receiver one, the best quarterback in the league. Golden Tate, wide receiver two, better than most other receivers in the league. He is fourth in the league. In rushing yards. And as far as your question on receptions goes, he's second behind Antonio Brown. Okay. So Antonio well, Brown is 79, which is ridiculous. But He is that team other than Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. A- Antonio Brown, 79 catches, 1,070 yards already this season. It's only after week 10. Very underrated player. Very, very underrated player. But Golden Tate, I mean, guys, he's been the MVP of this team this year. Can you just... No Can, doubt. Yeah. Is there any way you could disagree? No. no. Absolutely not. And Lions offensive numbers, there's still something that worry. They are still something that worry me a little bit because 
here you only put up 20 points against the Dolphins after you put up 10 in the first quarter. You don't score at all in the second and third quarter. And what worries me is they aren't consistent quarter to quarter. And you don't really see that offense put up points every single quarter, or at least three out of the four quarters. You don't really see that that often. And here, Lions are in a four-game winning streak, but in those wins, 17 points, 24 points, 22 points, 20 points. How long can you finally – how long can you really keep on relying on this defense? Because you look at some of the opponents coming up, and they have pretty strong offenses, better than some of these teams that we've played recently. So – how long can you really rely on this defense that much longer? I think I, I think you rely on yeah, them for got, as, as long as you can. Got to I mean, roll with it. Best but, offense is a good defense. You really think going into the playoffs though, twenty points is going to win you a game? No. Well, I think I think the reason the Detroit Lions ha- have done so well is their their formula for success is that they're making their opponents play their game. They're not playing their opponent's game. If you if you understand what I'm saying, like they're making that the opponent come into their house even if it's an away game and play the way their defense wants to play they you know they punt the ball they you know uh, game of inches they just break like it, it's kind of simple if, if you think of it that way they don't let teams get get ahead of them in certain categories this is true but if you look at their schedule and the people that they've played you can do that with this schedule and they did it quite successfully but you're just going to have to see these next two weeks with the best team in the NFC in Arizona and the second best team in the AFC with the Patriots. If the Lions can do that, you think too. they're only second best in I the think AFC? The first best. I think, I think they're. I think we're. I think they're playing the best team in each conference. I. You, I think Denver's one. Denver's got to go one. You got to. Uh, they go. just got blown out by New England two weeks ago. And I hey, I'm saying it's Denver's number one. I I, I think. I think the New Lions. Ma- the I think defense, the Lions man. match up. What, what was that? New England's got the defense, man. They do. I'm still saying they're number two, I but mean, still, back to what I was saying. If you can execute this game plan against Arizona and New England, then the Lions are golden this whole, se- this if, whole if season. If the Lions, but beat if Arizona, they can't, then you, there's no way that they're going to last in the playoffs. If the Lions beat Arizona and New England, they're automatically the best team in the league. Yeah, Arizona oh, and New England. Sure. Arizona and New England are their last test this season until the end, until the very last game until Lambo. Yeah. yeah, the rest is a cakewalk. They could run off another four-game winning streak. You have to think against Chicago, Tampa, Minnesota, and Chicago. Exactly. That's why I'm saying if they don't if they don't execute this game plan during Arizona and New England, these other four games are just kind of they, they prove that the Lions are are good and that they're very talented, but they're not going to be a playoff winning team. Guys, what an embarrassment Chicago is. Oh yeah, it's an embarrassment. It really is because I pretty I thought they'd win ten games this season at least. I thought the only be a one who didn't team. is over sitting over here next to yeah, my left, and here he's Whoa. gloating in our group text every single time. Bogstradamus strikes again. Ha ha ha! It's an embarrassment, and I know the Packers are a great offense, but they didn't even put out any effort on Sunday night. It was awful. It was embarrassing. It was awful. I was embarrassed. As it was embarrassing. <laughs> oh, oh. Wah, wah. I don't appreciate that one, but you should. You have to think with this schedule coming up, you can't continue to rely on this defense. And here, the rushing game again just flopped the other uh, the on Sunday. And Joey Bell, minus the truck stick on Cortland Finnegan, which was awesome, by the way, because I hate Cortland Finnegan. You know, another great thing was that he was on the sideline when he did that. He didn't give up any ground on that. No, he didn't. I thought he would have stepped out of bounds at least, but uh, he only finished with ten carries for forty-four yards. Reggie Bush, I know he had to leave with another injury, re-injuring his ankle. 
four carries for 20 yards. He did look good out there, getting five yards per carry when he was out there. Then Theo Riddick couldn't pick up any ground on his three carries. And, I mean, they only ran the ball 17 times, not including Stafford's two rushing attempts that I don't even count as rushing attempts. Yeah, one of them was definitely a busted play. Yeah, so really they only ran the ball 17 times, throwing at 42 you're starting to see a little more imbalance on their passing to rushing plays, which you saw more balance last year. The one thing here, I think that we were talking about this whole points thing and can they keep up only putting up around 21 points a game. Eventually, if they get a rushing attack going, I think they have the potential to blow out whoever they play. It's a pretty big if. I know, it's a pretty big if, but if and or when they actually do that and they get a 100-yard rusher this season, hopefully they do, I think the game that they get a 100-yard rusher is the game that they blow a team out. Because then they won't know who to stop. Yeah, well, that's not really a fun hypothesis. I but mean, it's, I think... it's true though. Like we just asked, can they keep it up? They have to get a they have to get a hundred yard rusher in order for them to surpass this twenty one average point game that they're playing. Well, right Lewis, now. I agree with you, but I don't think they're going to have a one hundred yard rusher until Tampa Bay. And I thought that they were going to blow them out anyway. I said that last week on our show. I don't think the Lions are going to get a hundred yards against Arizona, New England, or Chicago, and. Chris, I know you said that you thought they'd get it against Miami this week. Uh, I was, I, I, they Bell, were pretty far off. They were. I thought Joey you know, Bell I think looked good was, out there, and he only did, he, he couldn't even get half. Started off strong, but Joe Lombardi, he, he just he yep. veers away from the run game. He does. And I, it's, it's not Joey Bell's fault. It, I mean, it is Reggie Bush's fault. His, he's got a bum ankle. But if they're not calling the plays to, to get the running back out there, they're just not going to get over 100 yards. I agree with Chris, and when I brought it up earlier, they weren't running the ball on second and one or third and one, and that's totally another reason why the rushing yards are lower. Well, guys, what I disagree with you there is I don't think it's all on Joe Lombardi, and you guys are saying, oh, well, there's a new offensive coordinator out there in the system, and that's why the running game all of a sudden isn't that strong. Running backs don't all of a sudden disappear because of a new offensive coordinator. I think what it is is the offensive line. And and it just got worse this week. Waddle's going. Waddle's in a little bit of a sophomore slump. Warford's out. Who knows how long? Jim Caldwell doesn't know how long. He's he was the only guy out there actually producing. Rob Sims and Dominic Rayola have looked awful this season. Travis Swanson filled in nicely though. He did. He did fill in. He did fill in nicely. The Lions' third round pick this past year out of Arkansas, and probably Rayola's future replacement. But Swanson looked good out there, and Reef looked okay, but. Rob Sims and Dominic Rayola did not look good at all, and it, it's really hard to get any. It's really hard to get anything on the ground when your center and left guard can't produce. I'd say look for the Lions to sign an offensive lineman in the free agency because Rob Sims' is a tra- contract is up. This is a contract year for him, mm-hmm. and Rayola will be gone. Oh yeah, he'll it's, be retired. Yeah, you have to think that Swanson will take over for Rayola. That was the point. plan when they drafted him. Do you think Warford's injury is a little bit of a blessing in disguise to get um, Swanson some reps? Yeah, sure. A little bit. Uh, that's a good way to look at it, yeah. I would say. I, I always say there's always some positives that come out of a negative, and I think that's a pretty big positive that can come out of this is we can actually see Travis Swanson out there on the field. And, hey, the Lions' top three draft picks we've actually seen play this year now because right. Kyle Van Noy What a nice tackle he had on that almost touchdown by Deion Jordan on the blocked, on the blocked field goal. Oh, huge. It that was, was huge. Kyle Van Noy? That was Kyle Van Noy. I thought that was Kellen Davis. Nope. Saved a touchdown. Well, no, it wasn't Kyle Van Noy. I thought he had a great tackle on special teams, didn't he? Did he not? That was Kellen Davis who made the tackle. Yep. He did have a good tackle on special teams, but I think it was on a punt or kick return. I'm, I'm, yeah, but I will say I'm, I'm he, missing up my plays here. He only played two snaps on defense, and the first play I saw, 
out there. You could tell he was a little jittery because missed a tackle. Gonna happen. Kind of went up on the shoulders and saw that with a couple of Lions players. Their tackling wasn't that great this past week. Yeah, Hegabo, you saw miss a tackle. Um, same thing with Van Noy. There were a couple other players out there that weren't really making their tackles. And so something to watch out for. I think Hegdebo, as soon as he missed that tackle, came right back in and went for the legs instead of going up at the shoulders again. So it looked promising. looked like Tara Lawson told him how to correct his mistakes and went right back out there. But someone else who I thought was pretty invisible last week was Glover Quinn. Didn't really see much of him at all. Um, Rasheed Mathis, Darius Slay, same thing. And maybe it's a good thing that you're not. I think it's a good thing. You think it's a good thing? Because when you don't hear their names. They only let up 16 points. That's a good thing. They were just doing their job. Well, Glover Quinn only had one tackle, so no no wonder why I didn't hear his name that often. But uh, Darius Slay finished with six tackles. Rasheed Mathis with three. Not really much to complain about, especially holding Miami to only 16 points. And Mike Wallace to only 51 yards. And he did have the touchdown also. But Mike Wallace has been... Very strong this year. Yeah, he's coming around in Miami now, proving think, his worth on that big contract. I think the reason Glover Quinn is not appearing on the stat sheet is because he was patrolling the backfield, eliminating the big play from Ryan Tannehill downhill. Mm-hmm. You know who the Lions were having some trouble with out there was uh, Charles Clay, their tight end fullback kind of yep. hybrid player. He was the safety valve that came in the clutch for Tannehill. Yeah, he and Jarvis Landry out of LSU both finished with seven receptions. Landry for 53, Clay for 45, so... Um, they did have a little bit of trouble with those players out there, but the ru- they held their rushing game down. And you saw with that defensive line, they were able to stop their run game very well. Lamar Miller, who's been excellent this season, four carries, 10 yards. And I know he was coming off an injury, wah, wah, wah. but exactly, Chris, and that's how I would define it. And so I think there, there's, there was a lot of things to take away out of this Lions win. Um, and I'm glad I said last week that they, that the Dolphins were the best team that the Lions were gonna that the Lions had played yet this season. I still stand by that. And Dolphins almost won this game. They almost won this game, but almost but, don't count. Exactly. So the Lions are now seven and two for only the second time since the fifties. Uh, last time was in 1993. So I was just a baby back then, an infant child. And it's pretty good to finally experience a seven and two season. It is very great. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use proper grammar. It is great to have that feeling because yeah. I've seen we have not seen this. I mean, since we've cared about the team, it's a great feeling. Yeah, absolutely. My dad's in a great mood. It's 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 nice to see. Any final comments on this game before we move on to our next topic, guys? James ahead to Bo, Golden Tate, greatest offseason signings. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Proven their Super Bowl uh, mentorship on each side of the ball. It's ingenious. I, I can't disagree with you guys there. All right. Well, I have some rapid fire topics. I'm ready. That I'm going to shoot off on you guys. So ready. And rapid. it's on. And it's based on the NFC North. There's one question for each team. We're going to talk maybe a minute on each topic. And I'm going to start with on the Bears because we brought up how the Bears have just looked awful this year. Unbearable. 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 And I want to know from you guys, more likely to come back and be there next season in a Bears uniform. The head coach, Mark Tressman, or quarterback, Jay Cutler? Jay Cutler. Mark Tressman. I'll go first. Okay. They I paid think. him a lot of money. And I think right now what we're looking at, and actually my statement just now doesn't make any sense because it doesn't matter what I'm about to say. 
The Bears right now look like the Lions of last year. They have a lot of talent, but the talent isn't being used, and that's all on the head coach. Jay Cutler is having a bad year because the offensive line sucks. There's no chemistry between him and his wide receivers. Matt Forte, nothing is working for them. And you know whose job that is? The coach. And it's not getting done. So I don't think Mark Tressman will be back next year. Jay Cutler will be because they've they've seen what he can do. They've also seen what he can do in the bad ways too. Because he's either elite or he sucks. And that's the coach's fault in my mind. I think at some point, because Cutler's got this way about him, Stafford had this way about him, and now they've brought people in, and he's become clutch at the end, and he's brought the team around with him, and now they're succeeding. But the Bears aren't doing that because the coaching staff isn't allowing Cutler to be better. That's what I think. I think Cutler will be back, Trustman will be gone. Because it's it's the coach's job to use your talent, and he's not using it. Chris, you disagree? I think Mark Trustman has shown his abilities. Obviously, the Bears did really well last year in Trustman's first year. Jay Cutler did fine as well. First before either of those players are decided um, is going to be their defensive side of the ball. Something there has to go. Defensive coordinator, they got to do something there. That That's first and foremost. Jay Cutler can't do well if his defense is letting up 42 points in the first half. Jay Cutler can't do well at all doing that. Uh, but as far as quarterback play goes, Jay Cutler... You know, nobody likes him. I feel like no, that is a, that nobody is a fans were burning his jerseys. This is That's a true how bad statement. he played. It's going to be. They were burning him like LeBron. I, I don't know how, the, you know, the predicament of, of, re, of signing a player and then having the choice or the, the need to maybe get rid of them the next year. I, I don't know the outcome of situations like that, but it would just be easier and more. I don't know how, how you would say it. The, the fans would enjoy it more or you know, agree with it more if the quarterback went first. I don't think if you took a poll in Chicago, who needs to go? They won't say Mark Trestman. They'll say Jay Cutler. But and that's the, the, thing. that's the truth. I just read an article last night. You caught Cutler right now. That cost them $19 million in dead money for the free agency. Trade him. But if you keep him, it, it still works that way in dead money. But if you keep him for one more year... They save $16 million the next free agency. He's staying another year. If he stinks next year, oh, yeah, he's gone. But Trestman's gone this year. All right, well, I'm going to intervene because this is rapid fire. It's got to be quick. Very true. Guys are breaking my rules. But I'm going with Tre- – I think Trestman's more likely to be gone. Easier to fire a head coach than to get a new franchise quarterback just like that. There aren't going to be too many quarterbacks out there in the market next year. I don't – I think – they have to stick with Cutler because I don't think they're ready to rebuild with Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall still there. Alshon's one of the young up-and-coming receivers in the, in the NFL. But I do want to put one stat out there for you, which just caught my eye. Jay Cutler has his 6 QBR, his 6.0 QBR on Sunday night at Lambeau Field, lowered his total QBR at Lambeau Field from 8.5 to 8.1 for his career. And guess what? That's not good. Bears fans do not want to lose to the Green Bay Packers. They are they they are the, the most bitter rivalry in the NFL. Worse than Eagles Cowboys. Worse than whatever rivalries there are out there. That's the biggest rivalry in the NFL. And Jay Cutler can't beat the Packers, but Tressman's gone. They're not they're not ready to get rid of Cutler yet. They can't. Bring another one on. On to question number two, and we're going to move up to the team in third place in the division, the Minnesota Vikings. Will Adrian Peterson ever play another down in a Minnesota Vikings uniform? Yep. Yep. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll be back. This season. The NFLPA is pushing real hard for him. He, you know, he, he might get the, I, I'm, I'm not sure about the whole legality of the thing, but he, he served a little bit of his time in this whole away from the league. Uh, everyone wants him back. 
they're taking a while. I, I think we uh, we as football fans could see Adrian Peterson run again this year for the Vikings. He was their LeBron James. He came back from that ACL injury and took that team to the playoffs. No matter what he did, sports fans are very forgiving. He'll be back. I got to agree. I think he'll be back. I think there was a bit of an overreaction because it was going down when all the other arrests were going down with Ray Rice and everything else. So I got to agree. He'll be back. He'll be back. Probably week 13, week 14 would be my guess. He'll play a couple games for the Vikings and then be back next year. I don't see the, I don't see him ever playing it down, not in a Vikings uniform. Agreed. Maybe it'll happen someday, but he'll be back. On to the Green Bay Packers. The Packers have their next three weeks, two pretty tough opponents in there, in Philly and New England and Minnesota sandwiched in between. Will the will the Packers win two out of their next three games against the Eagles, Vikings, and Patriots? No. Yes. Chris, you want to start? Why not? Eagles defense is red hot, going to give Aaron Rodgers something that he hasn't been used to this year. Connor Barwin's going to smack him around. Eagles defense looked really good last night uh, against the uh, Panthers. Aaron Rodgers has been playing not so hot defenses. The Saints, the uh, the Bears, the you know well, the Dolphins are probably their best one. The blew out the Bears. That that game doesn't mean a whole lot to me. You know how I feel about the Bears. Their defense is the worst in the league. The 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 Packers couldn't do that against the Jaguars. They can't do it against the Lions. The Bears that that game doesn't count. Don't if you don't look at that. They haven't been that spectacular. Aaron Rodgers is MVP, of course. But beating up on the Vikings, the Bears, the Saints, you know, it's not that impressive. Philadelphia will be a true test. I think if they beat Philadelphia, it'll be very close. I don't think they can beat the Patriots. No. I'd say they win two, two out of the three. They're going to lose to Philly. I think the Sanchez is going to have his coming down moment at Lambeau next weekend. I'd say they definitely blow out the Vikings. But they uh, they lose to New England because I think New England is just too good. But they can definitely cool off the Eagles. Lewis, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think that, and on the same games, I think they're going to beat Philly and Minnesota and lose to New England. I think New England's the best team in the NFL. I have them in my Super Bowl, and I actually think that's going to be a Super Bowl preview, Green Bay, New England. So looking forward to that game when it does come up in three weeks. And it'll be interesting to see if Green Bay – what happens in a result of that game compared to what happens with the Lions in New England? Because these next three, four weeks, I think, are going to wind up deciding the NFC North. So They're big. They are big. Huge. And so with that, I'm going to finish with my Lions rapid-fire question. More receptions moving forward the rest of the season. Calvin Johnson or Golden Tate? Golden Tate. Hmm. Hmm. Ah. Uh, I believe it will be Golden Tate. It's easier to throw to him. Kelvin Johnson will have more targets. Golden Tate will have more receptions. Kelvin Johnson doesn't get those little swing route screens. Golden Tate does. And there's plays des- I mean, obviously there's plays designed for Kelvin Johnson, but there's some easier plays designed for Golden Tate where you can just get those catches. Tate was targeted 13 times with 11 catches. Megatron was targeted 15 times with only 7. He gets their best defensive player, and he's thrown to the most. And it's double just, coverage. And double coverage. Tate's going to get it all the time. Calvin's big big possession catcher. Uh, Golden Tate is a possession uh, first down catcher. You don't think Arizona's going to be watching that tape and thinking, these are the plays they're running with Golden Tate. Maybe we need to throw Patrick Peterson on him next week. Absolutely not. No, they're, they're going to try and man him across the board. They'll, pro- they'll probably 
Prime try and put Patrick Peterson on Kelvin and uh, double team Golden Tate with a safety over top. If they do that, I think they may find themselves in trouble with tight ends getting healthy now for the Lions. They will. I'm going to go out on a limb and disagree with you guys. I'm going to go ahead and say Calvin finishes with more catches narrowly over Golden Tate. Nothing against Golden Tate, but it's Calvin Johnson, guys. He's the best receiver in the NFL. I know that he's he's not going to get those shorter screen passes that they have with Golden Tate as much, but it's Calvin. I'm going with him. More receptions than Tate the rest of the season. But to finish our show, we're going to do a bit of a preview of next week's game against the Arizona Cardinals. And, guys, the Arizona Cardinals, top team in the NFC, but they lost Carson Palmer to a torn ACL. Real unfortunate injury. Carson Palmer is a player that I really like, quarterback I really like. Um, Just signed a three-year, $50 million contract. You think the Cardinals are are slapping themselves over that? You never make that kind of contract to a player midseason. I I, I still don't understand why. They make contract decisions in the middle of the year. I, I just, just that should be does, an off-season It doesn't make move. sense. It do, I don't it get it. They got way too happy. But if with they had that done move. that, it, but if they had done that in the off season and he injured himself preseason week one, it would have been the same thing. I think they were just trying to save money. They're like, oh, what if we they go to the playoffs or or even win the Super Bowl and then Palmer's like price tag is driven way up. No, it's the interesting. But still, I mean, you can't do that. Carson Palmer, the same thing happened to him when he was on the Bengals. Yeah. In, a, pl- in the playoffs. Signed a new deal and then tears his ACL. In the playoffs, tore his ACL. Uh, it's... So I want to know, how much, how significant is this injury and how much is it going to impact this game with Drew Stanton starting the game? Former Spartan, former Harrison Hawk, by the way, pride of Farmington Hills. Um, but how much is this going to impact the game with Drew Stanton under center instead of Carson Palmer? It'll very impact the game. It'll be completely impacted because Carson Palmer knows what's going on. He can go against good defenses. I mean, he beat the he beat the Eagles, and the Eagles have a great defense. But, I mean, Drew Stanton went against Denver and didn't win. Yeah, but, I mean, it's Denver, dude. I know, it's Denver, but they still had a good – it was 41-20. to 20. It's not like it was a competitive game. Well, here's where we, here's where we start splitting hairs. Denver was their best opponent. And they lost. Oh, it's true. But now the the Lions are their best opponent. And Drew Stanton against San Francisco, who has been a dud this year, and Washington, who has been a complete dud this year. He beat both those. Well, he, he beat, didn't throw he, a pick again. He, beat, he beat the Giants too, halfway through the Giants game. So I mean, he had a QBR of ninety two against San Fran. That's got to be something you you I, can't just. Get I, it, in my mistake, he played against New York, San Francisco, and Denver, not against Washington. But mm-hmm. New York is a, is a dud. San Fran is a dud. They're not a dud. They're duds. They're no, totally they're duds. I don't. Not. I don't believe Drew Stanton. Playing at quarterback matters at all. I don't. I don't see the. I don't know. Drew Stanton did a, a fine job playing for the Cardinals, and Carson Palmer. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's no, he's not spectacular. I would agree. I, but I, 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 I would agree, but I think he's a better. He's a better option over the Drew, Drew Stanton. That's why they put Carson Palmer back. Carson Palmer back in again. I mean, Drew Stanton. Yeah, he's done a fine job, but now he has his true test right now against the second best team I mean, in the NFC, and I think he's not. I think he's not going to prevail. The Cardinals were losing last week's game against the Rams when Palmer went down, or might have been a little later. But Cardinals turned up when Palmer went down. Stanton came in, and I know part of that was their defense. They had two quick defensive touchdowns, but I mean, guys, Stanton isn't anything to sleep on. I really don't think so. A couple of weeks ago, we were saying, well, when Palmer comes back, is he still going to be starting over Stan? And when Palmer came back, he played well. But I don't think you can sleep on Drew Stanton. And that's not what their team is centered around. It's about the other weapons on the field that they have. They've got Andre Ellington. 
Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Floyd on offense, but then you look at that defense, and they're dominant, guys. They're great. Not the pass defense as much, but the rush defense is amazing. And you have to know that you have to think that the Lions aren't even going to be able to get 60, 70 rushing yards on this Cardinals defense. Cardinals give up 78 rushing yards per game. They're 30th in the league in passing defense, 274 yards per game. So do you think that makes a difference on that passing defense, the rushing defense? No, the Lions can't even no. rush for 78 exactly. yards Exactly. They're literally just being matched. Their, their strengths and weakness, weaknesses are just being matched up perfectly to where it won't matter. And you know, you know what I think is... is Going back to Drew Stanton and Carson Palmer, the difference, I think it's actually worse that they'll be going against Drew Stanton. I think Drew Stanton can get away from the defensive pressure a little bit better than Carson Palmer. He's a little thinner, a little more agile than Carson Palmer. Chris, you know what? I agree with you. Yeah. I really do. I think Stanton's a little more mobile, which will be a little tough for the line, a little tougher for the Lions to defend. So Stanton can get out, and if Fitzgerald or Floyd can get open against the secondary. Lions are going to have a tough day ahead of them. I really think so. But it's time to get into our score predictions for next week. And, Chris, I want to start with you. The 8-1 and Arizona Cardinals against the Detroit Lions at 7-2. and And keep in mind, if the Lions win this game, they're the number one seed in the NFC. So think hard. Who's going to win? Lions-Cardinals. It'll be 17-13 to Lions. Lions win big in Arizona. I would agree. Until they prove me wrong. They, uh, they didn't win last year in Arizona, and they should have, and it was strictly because of Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. And good old Jim Schwartz. Smelly so we got Jim a new Schwartz. coaching staff. Our team is best in the NFC North. I think the Lions win by just a nice little average score over here. They're going to win 21-14. to 14. You guys aren't going to be very happy with me. Do it, I've got the Cardinals winning this game. I've got them winning 27-20. to 20. I think their defense is going to... I don't think I've been too impressed with the Lions offense enough where I think that they're going to be able to get past this Cardinals defense. But for 27 points, though? I think the Cardinals are going to put up 27 points. They haven't even given up 27 points I think year. the I think the Lions secondary is going to get exposed this week going against Floyd and going against um, Fitzgerald. I really do. They didn't even I give disagree. up 27 to New Orleans or I, Green Bay. I, I don't. Think, I, 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 hey, I'm not knocking that you say they lose. I'm just knocking that I think 27 points are going to go on the board. I think they're going to score 27. I really do. I think if anything gets exposed, it'll be Arizona's offense. They haven't had a well, – yeah, okay, they beat Oakland by 11 points. They beat Dallas by 11 points. They beat – you know, I mean – Arizona's only failed to score fewer than 20 points once all season, and they still scored 18. They've scored 18 points every week this season, at least. In the last five weeks, which they've won in a row, they've scored 30, 24, 24, 28, 31. And that was also including against an Eagles defense, which has been better than the Lions defense this year. So I've got them, I've got them scoring 28. Is that what I said? 28? 27. 27, 20 over the Lions. Okay. All right, Hager. We'll, All see, right. we'll see who that, how that we'll goes. We'll see what's going to happen next Tuesday. I think this is where, you know, I think it, it's still going to come down to coaching. Bruce Arians is a smart man and a great coach, and, you know, it, whoever comes out with the bigger brain, Jim Caldwell or Bruce I'm Arians. telling you this is going to be the best game of the year. Yeah, it right could now, very well. You really think of the year. after the last three weeks where the Lions have come back with two minutes left, do you think, it, do you think there's going to be another comeback? 
Yeah, I have them winning. There's going to be another comeback. You it's twenty-one fourteen. Hello. I have the comeback in my results. Keep in mind, this is the last. This is the first Lions true road test in a few weeks. If you include if you include the London game not being an actual road game, the Lions haven't had a road game in a, um, since Carolina. Since Carolina, and they lost. That, that, that was week was, two. That game was. So they haven't had a true road game since week two. So hey. who knows? Other these... than that, though, they're undefeated on the road. What? Uh, yeah, that's a way to look at it. Oh, and other than losing to Buffalo, they're undefeated at home too. Uh, well, actually, yeah, and you can say that they were on the road to the Jets and the Vikings, but I won't count that because it's the Jets and the Vikings, guys. I'm gonna count that the Jets beat the Steelers. Okay, good old slick Vic. Vikings I think I think the Steelers wins. were a little overhyped because of a couple great weeks. They could have been. But that's just me. But that's just about gonna wrap up our show today. I want to thank everyone for joining us inside the Lions Den and defending the Den here with us on the Lions Den. That was a lot of dens. I think it's about time for us to wrap up. Chris yeah. and Lewis, thank you for coming on the show. As always, it's always a pleasure to do this podcast with you guys and it's always a pleasure for you guys to listen to us here on impact sports next week we will be back hopefully recapping a lions victory over the arizona cardinals and being the first place in the nfc detroit lions something we've never said as fans hard to wrap it's really hard to wrap your head around that isn't it Yes. It is for me. Something us 22-year-olds have never said as fans. Never. 20. Never. 20. 20-something 20 20, or I'm 21. College kids yeah. have never seen a first-place Lions team. Are you ready, Higer? Well, I hope they prove me wrong. All I hope uh, is Green Bay loses to the Eagles. That would be a good week, too. I'm ready. By the way, just some quick breaking news before we finish up our show. People are saying that uh, Lions-Patriots might be moved to Sunday night, but they decided to keep it in the 1 o'clock slot. Because the Patriots play on Sunday night this week. Yep. Would have been a great game to see on Sunday night, but oh well. They'll be playing at 1 o'clock in New England on the 23rd, and we'll be previewing that game next week as well. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, I'm Michael Heiger with my co-hosts, Louis Bellata and Chris Bogus. And as always, Go Lions! These eyes are crying.